Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Amen. Good morning, uh, Harvest Community Church. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors here. And one of our greatest desires uh, for everyone is that they would take their next steps in their faith and in their journey with God and with each other. The past two weeks have been a blessing. Actually, real quick, I want to give a quick shout-out to the youth group. So our youth group girls had a volleyball tournament yesterday, and they got second place. Yeah, represent. Great job, and thank you, coaches, for pouring into them and everyone who came to support. Uh, Another blessing, uh, for those of you who do not know my family's story, so something criminal happened to my wife last year, and last Wednesday, uh, my wife's offender was actually found guilty and sentenced in court, so praise God for that. Amen. Justice was served, and I thank you and I praise God because of all of you for your prayers and support. There is three statements that we continued in our journey, and it's the three statements that I always do before a message. So if you're a Christ follower, please repeat after me and say this. Say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. Amen. During opening worship, uh, Pastor Dave handed me a quote, and I would like to start off with this quote. It's from Mark Twain on learning to respect his father. He said this, when I was 14, I thought my father was ignorant and couldn't bear to have him around. When I became 21, I was amazed at how much he'd learned in seven years. Amen, amen. I don't know what you're trying to say there, but <laughs> several years ago, I was a dog walker. I chose dog walking because it was one of those perfect uh, jobs that went really well with ministry. It, as you know, ministry can be stressful, and dog walking during the week allowed me to be outside, exercise, and have a therapeutic experience. And it was flexible enough I could go and disappear for a week for a conference, go to retreats, speak at different places throughout the week and come back and see these doggies. I remember there was one day, it was a beautiful early Chicago summer, and I hopped off my bike because that was my main form of transportation at the time. I locked it up, I walked into my client's apartment, I got the dog, I leashed my client's dog, I greeted it, we walked downstairs, and we went outside. I put my headphones on, and I felt the breeze, the beautiful wind, and the sun rays go on my skin. And when we began to walk, I started to listen to a sermon. And the sermon started off with a question that has been on my heart for actually the past seven years. So it's funny that this quote talked about seven years. And it was a moment, it hit me to the point where I stopped walking the dog, and the dog looked at me and was like, come on, let's, let's keep walking. All right, you okay, bro? And this question has changed the way I view life. It's changed the way I talk to others. It's changed the way that I study the Word of God. And it's changed the way I approach my faith. And the question was this that began, that struck me. 
The question was this. It said, or he said, are you growing up or are you just growing old? Are you growing up or are you just growing old? You know, this question can be applied to all of us, including you, youth group. Some of the youth group might say, oh my goodness, I'm a junior, I'm a senior, I'm so grown already, all right? I remember the times I was in seeds and I was little. You might be surprised how fast you might grow old. But the question that I think we need to ask ourselves is, are we growing up? I remember I was talking to a friend the other day. His uh, daughter went up to him and was like, Dad, why are you talking about the late 1900s? My friend was talking about 1998. Oh, man, that's considered, that's actually the late 1900s, if you think about it. It sounds historic. There's some of us in this room, we might say, oh, my gosh, I'm already in high school. Some of us in this room, oh, my gosh, I'm already past college. Some of us in this room, oh, my gosh, I'm almost 40. I'm almost 50. I'm almost 60. I'm almost at retirement. So this question is independent of growing old. Growing up is something different. And I truly believe that this is something that we need to understand when it comes to our faith. Charles Spurgeon once said, there are children in the church of God that are 70 years old. He was talking about the maturity of our faith. And on the flip side, there are grown adults in the church who are still bottle feeding in their spiritual walk with God. You could be growing old, but again, the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we growing up? Growing up in the faith is maturing in how we act. But it's interesting because it's opposite. Spiritual maturity actually is shown through childlike faith. And the beautiful thing is that you can grow spiritually as much as you want to grow. Now, when we grow and mature in our faith, though, there must be a divine shift to building the kingdom of God. In reality, I believe that there's two levels of our faith. The first level is this. What can God do for us? A lot of times when we first have and receive the love of Christ in our lives, we realize that we are dead in our sins. And we we realize our hopelessness, our weakness, and we say, God, save me. And that's the first level of our faith. What can God do for us? But then something begins to happen when we grow up in our faith. It goes from what can God do for us to what can God do through us. And when we step into that second level of faith and maturity, it needs to constantly stay what can God do for us and through us simultaneously. So again, are you growing up or are you just growing old? I bring this question up because last week we talked about the next generation, and I want to continue in that heart. Some of us in this room, we are carrying that baton, while other ones of us, we got to get ready to receive that baton. The title of my message today is The Flow of Legacy. Everybody say legacy. Without realizing it, we are either building the legacy of Christ or we are sitting on the sidelines. The scripture I want to open up with today is from Matthew 1. And we see in the scripture a legacy of God being carried through. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 and then skip to 16 through 17. All right? So this is the genealogy of Jesus. 
Let's start with verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Verse 16. And, the J- and Jacob, the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Let's focus on verse 17 here. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Amen. Wow! When you read that scripture, does it excite you? I'm the only one. There was a time in my life where one of my students was obsessed with genealogies in the Bible. Everyone thought he was crazy. But I began to study one day the genealogies. And it began to actually become exciting. When I read that scripture and I hear about the 14 generations that were affected by little acts of obedience in the now, I see God working in incredible ways. And the youth group student who I had who was so crazy about genealogies, actually I began to see why he was excited about it. We were the only ones who did his Bible study, by the way, just me and him. But it excites me because there's a story between each generation. That ancestral line, understand that there are many stories. Imagine if your name Our church was being part of the recordings of continuing the remnant for the next several generations and completing eventually the Great Commission. Imagine if we were part of this type of listening. Every time you read things like that in the Old Testament, I want you to start thinking about generational blessing. When it comes to the flow of Christ's legacy, I got three points for today. For carrying on the gospel to the next generation. And how to receive it as the next generation. The first thing is this. Number one, we need to learn how to grow up. Grow up. Be careful now, but turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. (laughs) Be careful, be careful. Sorry, I love to mess with you guys. Grow up. Say it in a gentle way, all right? Grow up. Here in the scripture, we can be reminded that each generation can be a part of the next redemptive, or become a part of the big redemptive story of Christ. And this only comes through growing in the obedience of Christ. In 2 Peter, it says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. God is faithful to a thousand generations. And here's the cool thing. Our generation is somewhere in there. So I want to ask today, what will your response be? 
Will you be faithful in the few generations above, beside, and below you? A mature follower of Christ is not just a convert. A mature follower of Christ is not just a disciple, but also a disciple maker. So again, the question is this, are you growing up or are you just growing old? Pastor Dave and I traveled to the beautiful, sunny California this past week. I know you're jealous. I heard it was a rough week here. But we went for ministry purposes, I promise. All right. And I was telling him that when I see palm trees like this picture, it did something to me. It instantly calms me. I think it's through the conditioning of movies, vacation, advertisements, and even just being around palm trees during vacation. It makes me relaxed. I was on YouTube the other day, and I stumbled upon a video from a Christian YouTuber named Alex Wilson. He actually lives in Hawaii. And the video was so captivating because it talked about the palm tree, but then also another tree that I distinctly remember when I was in Hawaii. So palm trees, like this question, as you know, they grow tall and very narrow. The thing about palm trees is they lack this thing called secondary growth. Primary growth is when a tree grows straight up. There's another thing called secondary growth where it's wide. And a palm tree is lacking this. Now, when I was in Hawaii, I was awestruck by another tree that I saw. If we go to the next tree, the next tree is this. It's called a banyan tree. Everybody say banyan tree. The banyan tree is something that has primary growth. It's huge, but then it also has secondary growth, very wide. Fun fact, it's also a national tree of India. And the largest banyan tree was uh, found to be planted in 1873, um, just from records, and it's grown to cover two-thirds of an acre in width. A banyan tree, when I think of any type of legacy, That's a legacy. It's not just growing up, but it's growing wide. I point that out because some of us are like the palm tree. Sometimes I think we focus too much on our individual faith. And it's always between us and God, which is great. That's the primary, right? But some of us, we lack that secondary growth beside us. We don't actually care about those around us. But my hope and prayer is that we as Harvest Community Church, we would be like the banyan tree. We would have a close relationship with Christ, but then close relationship with the others. If you haven't signed up for the congregational retreat yet, I just want to encourage you and really pray uh, to join us. Actually, when I've been praying about this retreat, this is my prayer. I say, God, as we grow closer to you, Let us grow closer to one another. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Another author in the Bible, we see Paul. Paul, the author of the epistles in a lot of the New Testament, I believe he had banyan tree growth and banyan tree legacy. In his life, if you think about it, the life of Paul was like the picture of the cross. He had people above him who helped him, guide him, and taught him in the beginning 
parts of his ministry was Barnabas, right? He had also people beside him. He had his peers. He had people like Titus, Silas, Priscilla, Epaphroditus, Lydia. They were supporting him. But then he also had somebody under him. He had Timothy. So even in the picture of his relationships, we see up and down and side to side. It was a picture of the cross. It was legacy building. I want to be known for the love that I have for Jesus going upward, but I want to be defined by the relationships that I have next to me and my love of Jesus that is expressed to them. So the flow of legacy includes above, below, and beside. Above, we need that. Because there's some things in life that only age and experience can teach us. We need people next to us because we need support in ways that the others can. We need people below us so that we can pass on that baton. Amen? You know, the greatest takeaway from this past week's conference in California was actually not the seminars. But it was actually seeing very real relationships and following Christ together for over 20 years. It was super obvious who had banyan tree types of faith versus those who had the palm tree ones. Those who were by themselves and those who loved together. I have a simple principle with how we should enjoy things. You enjoy what you share. For example, if you want to enjoy life, you better share it. If you want to enjoy money, I'm telling you right now, it's more enjoyable shared. If you want to enjoy time, It's always best with the people you love. If you want to enjoy sports, it's always best playing with each other or watching a game with each other. If you want to enjoy a meal, it's best eating with the people that you love. And if you want to share in worship, it's always best to share it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So I encourage you guys to always be here so that we can grow in banyan tree growth. There's also a new word that has been going around a bit for a time. And it's not just grow up, but the term is glow up, glow up. The glow up is when you have changed so much that you're almost unrecognizable, maybe in the way you look or with the way you smile. So as I continue in the flow of legacy, the very first one is grow up, and the second one is glow up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are glowing today. Yes, you're glowing today. Yes, John, you're glowing today. That's what Audrey said. Amen. My hope and prayer is that we would be a church that shines so bright because of what God did for us and because of what he's doing in us and through us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, anyone in Christ has become a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. I've seen so many people that have just blossomed because of Christ. Because of blossomed through, through the trials that they faced, but they held on to God. We learned last week that the generations after us need to hear God's faithful works. They need to see God working in our lives. And they need to taste the goodness of God. The Bible teaches us to not put our light under a bowl, but on a stand, to be a city on top of the hill. You know, the way I approach ministry is often training, 
like what we see in the scripture. So I've danced for about 20 years now. I've been part of dance companies, talent agencies. I was a director of two different dance ministries. One of them, actually, you're going to see at the retreat, M4G. My old team is actually going to serve the SEEDS program so that our SEEDS people can have a break. Fun fact, my, my father, he's not here today, but he was actually a disco king back in the day. And he would compete and travel and go crazy. He actually, my first move that I learned was the moonwalk from him. So as someone who's danced actually professionally and has put in, I've put in thousands of hours of work, I could easily spot a dancer who practices versus a dancer who trains. When I would train dancers, I would not train them with the goal of them just becoming a better dancer. But I would train them with the mindset that they don't just dance, but they actually become the music. What's the difference? A highly skilled dancer has no barrier between them and the sound that's happening. Every millisecond counts. It's not just the beat they're dancing to, but it's also the musicality of the words that are being sung or being rapped. So what does training mean in the gospel? Training for the gospel and representing the gospel is showing God's faithfulness in the midst of our mess. Those below us, those beside us, those above us, they're always watching. So I want to ask you, are you building Christ's legacy or are you hindering it? I had a spoken word once, and one of my favorite things that I, that I wrote once was, the imperfect perfected through the perfect sacrifice. The imperfect perfected through the perfect sacrifice. We have imperfect lives, but because of Christ, man, we can walk in his perfection. First Thessalonians 5, 11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Harvest Community Church, when we come every Sunday, when we go to every community group, every youth group gathering, we do not come to just learn, to pray, to worship, to practice this Christianity. But I truly believe that we are here to be trained. We are here to be discipled. And this is not about getting better at talking about Jesus, but this is about becoming an extension of the gospel. In the same way, I would say the dancers need to become the music. We need to just become an extension of who God is. So the second point, again, is glow up. Let your shine, light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Speaking of lights, uh, there have been several times where I was part of that, that phrase, lights, camera, action. So you guys are kind of getting to know me. I'm going to share a little bit about my journey just so you know who I am. So I'm the type of guy where if I see something cool, I want to try it, and I'm going to do it. One of the things I've always loved to do is to do television and movies. And I did a little bit here and there just on the side of ministry. It was never my main thing. But as a dancer, I, a couple things that I've done is a, a dance documentary, uh, music videos. I did a commercial for a fabric waterproofing company called Never Wet by Rustoleum, and even a commercial for Coca-Cola. But my favorite experience with film was the time I applied to be a SWAT team character in a movie called Captive State. And it came out in 2019. Actually, real quick shout out to the real police officers in here. I was just a pretend one. But it was a multi-million dollar movie and shown in the big theater. And I'll be honest, I never watched it. 
I never watched it. I would just fast forward to the scenes I was in. Uh, I was in about four scenes. I was on set for four uh, 12 to 13 hour days over the span of a month. My old basketball captain from high school, he's in film still right now. And I called him up and he's like, hey man, I want to try out some film. What can I do? And this was like in 2018. He's like, hey man, I'll give you my agent's contact. Uh, I wanted to do a little rough like acting, right? So I didn't send him a smiley one. I sent him the pictures like, right? Like very tough. And they needed people six foot and above for the aliens or the SWAT team, right? <laughs> and I got the SWAT team. So one scene, I was with the stunt guys. I was driving down Pilsen. We would turn into an alley 40 miles per hour. We would rush this building and raid it with all of our guns. I remember when I jumped out the cop car. Like, I didn't know how to do it, so the gun hit me in the jaw. I was bleeding. And no one knew. Another scene, I was arresting somebody. Saying, get on the ground! Right? Another scene, I was hunting for a person, and we were storming up the stairs in a blackout scene. It was just flashlights. And the final scene, I'm going to show you in a moment. <laughs> so I'll be the one on the right. I'm, uh, I'm working as a bodyguard and security personnel. And I want to show you how great this is. So I'm not putting audio. <laughs> All right, you see me? I'm on the right by the door. John Goodman's, oh, he passed me right there. You see that? You see that jawline? Play it again, play it again, play it again. One more time, one more time. One more time. All right, get ready. Here it comes. You're going to see my jawline. I have an AR-15 with me. There it is, there it is. <laughs> there it is, yes. Exciting, right? <laughs> it was pretty anticlimactic, but I know I hyped it up. So here's the reality. Here's the reality of that experience. The majority of people probably never noticed that. Actually, the, the scene where I jumped out of the cop car, it was drone footage, so I look like an ant when I jump out. No one will really ever see me raiding that room with a bunch of guns because they cut that scene out. No one will see me strap up into the body armor. The reality is I spent almost 50, hour, almost 50 working hours for one second of my jaw. But I don't care. When my wife saw that, she was like, that's my man. <laughs> That's right. I don't really care that it was one second because I was part of something big. I was part of a multi-million dollar movie that was seen by many people. And I might tell my grandchildren one day I was the main actor. <laughs> I got to be part of something incredible. Here's the reality. When it comes to Christ's legacy, we all have the opportunity to be part of the gospel story. When we glow up, when we shine for Christ, oftentimes they're not going to see our efforts. You didn't see earlier the setup team, the trailer team. You didn't see them do that. You didn't see the sound check with the people upstairs. We're not even seeing what Seeds is doing right now. But the reality is every time we get to shine for Christ, whether it's seen or not seen, we get to be part of Christ's legacy. And it's always worth it.
Psalm 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Mm, Amen. See what I did there? I was a doorkeeper in that scene. Amen. Amen. So the flow of legacy is, number one, grow up. Number two, glow up. And the last one is, number three, go up. Turn to your neighbor and say, we going up. We going up. My daughter in love and I, we love to go on daddy-daughter date to get some sushi. And her favorite sushi is salmon. Raise your hand if you like salmon sushi. Yeah, that orange pinkish color. Now, the life of a salmon is very interesting. Their life looks like this. They are born upstream in fresh water. As they grow, they build up strength. They get bigger. They start to go downstream. And as they go downstream, it's a little dangerous. And they go into eventually salt water in the open ocean, which is even more dangerous because there's predators, there's new things, their uh, gills have to adapt to the salt water, there's more opportunity. And depending on the type of salmon, you spend your life in the open ocean for X amount of years. But then eventually something innately happens, something shifts in that specific generation of salmon. They all gather together and they go back to that same stream. And instead of just staying in the ocean, they actually begin to go upstream. And it's weird. It's the same generation that was born that went downstream together, and it's the generation now that's going upstream together. And upstream is a battle to even a point like this where it could be a mini waterfall, and a bear, all all they have to do is open their mouth, and a fish will jump in. It's a buffet. It's taxing. It's tiring. It's dangerous. But for some reason, they all go back upstream because what is upstream is the place where they lay their eggs for the next generation. And you would think it would just be the females, but no, actually the males go too. They use all of their energy, and by the time they reach that place where they birth new creation, they eventually die. I know, it's pretty depressing. (laughs) But at the same time, it's extremely beautiful. And the salmon didn't do it alone, but they did it together. Guys, eventually our direction must go from fresh water to salt water back to fresh water. There must be a change in our total direction. I remember I would spend so much time preaching and teaching all over, but you know what I found? That there's so much fun in training the next generation. This past week, I was able to send one of the guys that I taught to preach in place of me for the second time. I could easily go there and preach, but my direction is now back to fresh water. When I say the word legacy, what do you think of? Oftentimes, our minds travel to the end of our time on earth when we think of the word legacy. But the reality is legacy is actually the beginning of things. It is the beginning of that which was and which will be and continue to be. What if I were to tell you that what is done here in our lives will begin a revival in the next generation? I was praying this past week, and the question that came to me was, would you still work hard even if explosive revival didn't happen five generations from now? And I had a hard time answering that. But my answer right now is yes because I get to be part of the gospel story. 
If I were to tell you that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Chicagoland in the next five years, and the generation here would be part of it, how would you react? How would you respond? How would you give? How would you encourage? What steps of outrageous faith would you take? In that movie, again, I could care less that I was in one second. I'm just grateful I was part of it. In the Sam's life, they never actually get to see a lot of the fruit of their labor going upstream. But the reality is they had a responsibility and they had the faith to believe together that the life of salmon will continue. And I was thinking about it, the, the salmon's life is a reflection of Jesus' life. He started in the kingdom. He went down and lived here on earth. But then he swam upstream again. He went against the current of culture. He went against the current of hate. And he decided to love. And the beautiful thing is when he made it upstream and got that crown again, he didn't stay dead because death has lost its thing. Audrey, you can come up. I'm going to get ready to close again. Thus, there were 14 generations and all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. In a moment... I am going to pray, and when I'm done praying, I'm going to finish my prayer with the word, amen. The word, amen, I believe carries the weight of legacy. In Revelation, I believe it's in chapter 3, Jesus actually refers to himself as the amen. And oftentimes when we think of amen, we think the end. In some ways, it is a direction of closing. But the actual meaning of amen is let it be. Let it be and let it begin. When we say amen, we're actually saying what we just prayed and what we just said, now it can begin. When it comes to the flow of legacy, it's truly about amen. It's truly about having the faith to believe that new beginnings can start and continue. So when we say amen in a practical sense, we are saying, God, continue your legacy. I want to end with the last verse of the Bible, the very last verses. It says, he who testifies to these things say, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. It's saying, God, let your glory and your legacy continue here and now. So church, let's grow up. Let's go glow up. And let's take our faith higher and go up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, forgive us for the many times we don't realize that we are either building up or hindering your kingdom. God, our kingdom will not last, but we declare that your kingdom will remain forever. God, I pray today that we would recognize that you work in every single generation, and you are faithful in every generation. Even after the seven-year tribulation, we see that there's 144,000 remnant. God, there's going to be a remnant that will continue 
before and after us. God, I pray that our obedience today would have eternal generational impact for your glory. In Jesus' name, as we continue in prayer, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And you can talk to God about it. And you can hear from God about it. First question is this. If you are a follower of Christ, are you okay with many of the next generation walking on the road to destruction? Are you okay with that? Because I am not okay with that. Take a minute to just pray through that question. Next question I want you to pray through is this. In that picture of the cross of relationships like Paul, I want to ask you, which part are you missing? Are you missing a mentor? I'm going to encourage you in this next moment to pray for one right now. Are you missing someone you can disciple, like Timothy? I'm going to ask you to pray that God would reveal a name or a face to you. Or maybe you need peers and friends. You need to have people you can enjoy life together and struggle through life together. I want you to pray for that. So whichever part, a mentor, a peer, or a mentee, let's pray for that. Believe I've seen it happen so many times where God answered these prayers. So let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.